I hope that there were no uh, unpleasant surprises about what happened unexpectedly this uh, week, but uh, we'll no doubt have a, a taste of what that uh, means when we hear Jane's story. And I will introduce uh, Jane to us. Uh, Jane and Brian have been coming here for just a bit over nearly two years now, I think. Uh, so it may be an unfamiliar face. I hope not, because she, she'll explain why her face shouldn't be unexpectedly uh, <laughs> unfamiliar. Jane Groyle and her husband, Brian, moved to the Indianapolis area in August 2021 and have attended Faith Church for approximately two years. Jane works as an administrative assistant in the church office. How many of you have had connection with Jane through that? Uh, maybe virtual, but at least that way. Uh, and she and Brian sing in the choir, which I appreciate, and help lead a community group. In her spare time, Jane enjoys sewing and going camping. And I think that'll have some relevance to the story here, too. Uh, so let me pray for us as we start. Thanks, Father, for uh, being here together. Uh, we uh, enjoy uh, fellowship. We've enjoyed worship, uh, most of us, and uh, hearing from your word. And as we share each other's stories, I pray that we would benefit from that, learning how you are at work in all of our lives and ways that we can uh, recognize with your guidance. So give Jane guidance as she shares this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need this? Nope, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Um, it, it just wanted to say before I start that it really is good to be here, and I, I just uh, really wanted to share that I don't feel like this is my faith story so much as it's just a part of God's story, because my story is not really anything special, but to be part of God's story, that's a big deal for any one of us. I think we should all feel that, um, and I'm just humbled that he would give me a small part in his story. So often in my nearly 64 years, I found myself asking, Lord, what on earth are you doing here? How does this situation even make sense when you say that all things work together for good? If there's one thing I've learned about God and myself through these experiences, it's that truly his thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are my ways like his ways. He has a much bigger story in progress and he's fitting all the pieces together to make sense for everyone, not just for me in my own little world. So with that in mind, I'll just start by sharing a little about myself. I live in Fishers with my husband, Brian, and we met early in our senior year of high school while we're on a hayride. This is a story that Brian actually shared in his own faith story last year. So if you were here, you heard that. If you didn't and you want all the details, you can go back and listen to the podcast of his story, um, or at least his version of the story. <laughs> so by the time we graduated from high school, we were already pretty serious and committed to each other. Having our first official picture taken was Brian's gift to me for my 18th birthday. And after an up and down, in and out relationship throughout college, we finally married uh, five days after our college graduation. Flash forward 42 plus years and we're still riding this adventure through life together, discovering God's plan for our lives both individually and as a couple. A little bit about our family. 
We have two wonderful children, Nate and Amanda, both of whom are married and living in the Indianapolis area. Nate and Kim have been married nearly 14 years, and they have gifted us two grand dogs, George and Honey, <laughs> who are characters in their own right, for sure. <laughs> Amanda and Jeremy married in 2015 and are the parents of our nearly seven-year-old grandson, Jonah. Jonah has a plethora of special needs, but as I will share later, he has been the conduit of blessing upon blessing from the Lord in his short lifetime. But before all this, I once was a child, being born and raised by Gerald and Dorothy Plopper in the Wisconsin countryside. I was born into a large family, seventh of 11 children. My parents married into a tough stuff situation, my mom being pregnant, which was truly scandalous back in 1947, especially in a typical Dutch community where there was a socially and morally correct way to do everything. And that was definitely not the right way. Although mom and dad were totally devoted to each other and to their growing family, this stigma followed them well into their marriage. Mom had five babies over the next six years, including their second born, a little girl named Susan Jane, who died at five days of age due to a congenital heart abnormality. The pressures of judgment from family and peers losing a child and caring for four others, my dad losing his job, which meant they had to live in the basement of the house they were starting to build, and a family history of depression and mental illness all took their toll. At age 25, mom suffered her first complete mental breakdown in 1953. She was institutionalized during that time and neither the doctors nor my dad saw much hope at all for her future. Over the next two years, generous friends and family assisted my dad in caring for the four children, mostly in their own homes. For each of my oldest siblings, those were crazy, mixed up, disjointed years. Just when dad was sure all was hopeless, God granted mom a miraculous recovery through a cutting edge treatment for the time, electroshock therapy. Though it has since become very controversial for many good reasons, it did bring mom back home. The family was reunited and she stepped in and picked up right where she left off. Not just in homemaking and childcare, but also in baby birthing. <laughs> Unfathomably, over the next 13 and a half years, she and dad brought seven more children into this world. This was the first picture taken of my entire family with my youngest brother at about two and a half years old and my oldest sister at 23. And mind you, my mom and dad had only been married about 24 years at this point. They accomplished a lot in 24 years. <laughs> For many years, the life was filled with ups and downs, especially financial hardships. Mom carried on so well that those of us born after her return didn't even realize that there had been any issues with her mental health. She was just mom and doing all the things mom did, moms did back then and doing them very well. In fact, her signature apple pies were a major draw for Brian when we first started dating. <laughs> to this day, I cannot duplicate my mom's apple pies. 
I learned bits and pieces of the story in my high school years, but it was never a topic of discussion at all. Life was good. Mom and dad were seeing their youngest hit the teen years and their oldest give them grandchildren. They were traveling together, financial concerns were lifting, and they truly loved life. This picture, taken at the end of 1981, will always be my favorite, as it shows just how much they felt the love of God, each other, and family at the time. Until the day, about two years after I was married, when mom had another breakdown. While the possible explanations for why this happened are many, bottom line is that we never had mom back as we knew her again. She would have periods of improvement, but never long-lasting. In fact, we saw her state very regularly from total silence to incoherence, angry outbursts, nonsense talk, and calm conversation. Through all this time, Dad was at her side. He was her rock. Repeatedly, he would say, we've been through all the good times and bad together, and this is just another part of life. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Who are we to take all the good things from God, yet complain when he allows some tough stuff? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then another bombshell. After five years into all of this, Dad died suddenly of a heart attack. All of us were in shock and, quite frankly, pretty angry at God for taking Mom's solid rock away from her. This didn't make sense at all because she needed him and we needed him to be there for her and for us. Though we struggled with the reality, we moved on and became ever closer as a family through it all. Mom lived nearly 10 more years after Dad died in her moments of lucidity saying, I just want to be with Jerry. To this day, though the the way God chose to bring mom and dad's years together to a close doesn't make sense. We know that his ways are not our ways, and we know that all things work together for our good. The letter dad left behind for his children, which we found under his bed after his funeral, brought us great peace and comfort. Though I probably wouldn't make it through without crying, if I had time, I would read the entire letter to you, for it extolled the depths of his love and respect for mom and declared the glories of the God he trusted through all the good and tough stuff in life. The verse in the upper right-hand corner, Romans 14.8, was on the open flip calendar on his nightstand the day he passed away. Whether we live or die, therefore, we are the Lord's. A fitting final word for a life well lived through every joy and trial. All these experiences work together to make our large family extremely close. We love being together whenever we can and sharing stories of how wonderful the 12 grandkids of Jerry and Dorothy Plopper are. Mom and Dad would be still very proud of every one of them. The Crazy Eight Sisters are especially close. In fact, we have such a good time on our sister retreats that occasionally we have <laughs> distinguished guests that beg to be part of the fun. 
If we've learned nothing else through this convoluted journey through heartache and joy, it is that truly, in this life, nothing is more important than faith and family. We will never take either of these for granted and always treasure the ties that bind us through every circumstance of life. So, back to the life Brian and I are sharing. We met in Wisconsin, went to college in Wheaton, moved to Columbus, Ohio for his master's degree, and two years later to St. Louis for his PhD studies. Then we left the country, and he spent over three years doing postdoctoral research in Toronto. After that, his teaching jobs took us to Sherman, Texas for six months, then to Scranton, Pennsylvania for nearly five years, and finally to Siloam Springs, Arkansas for nearly 24 years before he retired from John Brown University. And we moved from that point here to Indianapolis in 2021. For this country girl who had lived in one place her whole life until she went to college, these many moves certainly brought their share of angst, questioning, and readjustments. Again, tough stuff sometimes. Most of the changes were filled with questioning for me as I really didn't know why God was taking me there, apart from the important role of being a helpmate and encourager for Brian. Though I always knew the Lord had a specific plan for my life, he didn't usually make that immediately clear. But I always knew that regardless of what perfect scenario I might dream up for myself, God's ways were higher than my ways and his thoughts higher than mine. In those days, I found it easy to rest in the knowledge that where Brian was, I was meant to be as well. And with each move, God helped me find my place and my purpose. One example, while we moved to Scranton for Brian's career, I was able to return to school myself during that time at no cost as a faculty spouse benefit. The master's degree in HR I earned there was the springboard for a whole new career for me, one in which I have seen God use me in my unique gifting in exciting ways in the years since, and not just in my job, but in various areas of service to the church and to God's people. In every place God has taken us, he has always provided close friends to share our faith and go with us through some majorly tough stuff that tested our faith and didn't always make sense to our human minds and hearts. Things like financial challenges, work difficulties, job interviews that didn't pan out, and deaths of dear family members. But the precious friends God gave us for each season of life have been a reminder that God had his hand in even the most minute details. We first heard the Michael W. Smith song, Friends, when our Columbus, Ohio friends played it for us when we moved from there. Friends are friends forever if the Lord is the Lord of them, because a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. God knows that we need these special people in our lives to get us through the tough stuff, to give us a hug sometimes and hold us in prayer when we can't see God's plan when we might be tempted to keep our questioning to ourselves and just go it on our own, friends are just one more way he shows us that his ways are not our ways. He knows exactly what we need and when. 
2019 to 21 were a couple of especially challenging years for us, wondering just what God was doing to us. That's sometimes what it felt like, and how on earth it was for our good. In late 2019, the company I had worked with since 1998 closed its doors, leaving me unemployed for the first time in my adult life. Though I was beginning to feel burned out in a full HR management role, I wasn't ready to leave HR altogether yet, and I started a job search. But then COVID hit, and we all know what that did. No one was hiring for anything, except nurses. <laughs> Lots of nursing jobs available at that time. I was uneasily riding the unemployment train in early 2020 when Brian got some devastating news of his own. John Brown University needed to make some financial cutbacks, and since he was one of the faculty members closest in age to retirement, he was asked to begin his retirement at least five years earlier than he had originally planned, starting in June of 2021. The loss of both of our long-term jobs in less than two years was again tough stuff, bringing the why God cries to our hearts once again. It was especially devastating for Brian as he loved JBU and always thought he would work there until the day he retired. As he processed all that this unexpected and unwelcome change meant for him, I began to wonder the same for myself. During that time, in view of the fact that we would likely be moving on from Siloam Springs, a home we had truly loved for many years, I began to feel a strong pull towards Indianapolis. This was where our kids lived and was much closer to siblings and relatives in both of our families. It was more than a pull. It was actually an overwhelming, almost aching desire of my heart to move closer to our families. However, I had always believed that where God wanted Brian was where he wanted me. And I knew God had always had a plan specifically for me in every place that he moved us to. As Brian pursued various teaching positions, mostly in cities much closer to Indy, but some not so much, I prayed that God would grant me grace and peace in the process and strengthen my commitment to support him unwaveringly wherever he felt God wanted him. Knowing God's ways were not like my ways, my thoughts not like his thoughts. When no job prospects panned out for Brian, the day came when he said, job or not, it just really feels like it's time to move on from Siloam Springs. And it just seems like it makes as much sense as anything to move to Indiana. My heart ached for him, for the loss he felt personally in being pulled away from a job and career he had poured himself into for so many years. But I do confess that my own heart did a little leap of joy in that moment, as I realized God seemed to be granting the distinct desire of my heart this time. Though it was a long and winding road, we did move to the Indy area, and it didn't take long at all for us to land at Faith Church and fall into the rhythms of involvement in this body of believers. Part of, part of God's plan for me was to become part of the staff in the office here in answer to another prayer of mine. 
If I was to continue working, I wanted to have an integral part in some tangible way in furthering a cause I fully believed in. Well, I can't imagine anything that would fit that bill better than working at Faith Church. I am honored and humbled that he would choose to use me as part of his mission here. In this tough stuff situation of job losses, moving and resettling, we have been blessed in that many of our whys have actually been answered to some extent. Though it is definitely a continuing journey through the unfolding story God has already written for us, and there are no doubt much more why God challenges ahead for us in life. The final tough story I want to share starts back in 2016. Our daughter had met and married Jeremy in 2015, and in September of 16, our first and so far only grandchild was born to them. Jonah arrived five weeks early, and it was immediately apparent that all was not well with Jonah. He was in the NICU at Riley for nearly three months while the doctors worked to make a diagnosis and stabilize his condition. Amanda and Jeremy cherished their sweet son from day one and determined to make everything, do everything they possibly could to learn about his needs and the special care he would require so that one day they could bring him home. And in early December of that year, they reached that first big milestone. <coughs> Jonah's condition is known as low syndrome. It is a very rare genetic condition that affects his eyes, kidneys, muscle tone, and brain development. He was born with cataracts in both eyes, which were removed when he was just a few months old. The kidney issues require many medications just to replenish the numerous nutrients that are usually reabsorbed by a normal body. His weak muscle tone affects all of the muscles in his body, even the ones we all take for granted, like those used to swallow and to move food through our digestive tract. At nearly seven years old, he's still mostly tube-fed, he's not yet fully potty trained and walking on his own and his intellectual development is at about the level of two years old. Needless to say, Jonah's diagnosis was devastating for Amanda and Jeremy, and the sheer amount of work involved in learning his needs and caring for him daily has been overwhelming at times. Especially early on, the why God questions loomed big and constant for them. Why did you allow this to happen to our son? And what good could you possibly have planned through all of this? But as the years have gone by, Jonah has proven to be the biggest blessing that they never would have asked for, which actually seems to be the testimony of so many people with special needs children. They would say the same thing, what a blessing. Our sweet one-of-a-kind Jonah has reached his own milestones in his own time, and I want to include just a few of them. Now, admittedly, my proud grandma side has gotten the best of me here. This little clip is meant purely to show you exactly why the little stinker has stolen all of our hearts and to provide a bit of cuteness overload for your viewing pleasure. Jonah, look at you sitting by yourself. Oh. <laughs> 
He had a unique way of getting around back then. <laughs> As they wrestled with the challenge of building a new lifestyle revolving around Jonah's care, both Amanda and Jeremy also went through a time of serious questioning about their career paths. Amanda has always been a very good writer, and with her degree in journalism, she had a pretty good web writing job that unfortunately wasn't truly fulfilling to her and came with its own share of stresses. Alternatives like working remotely didn't satisfy or work very well while a nurse cared for Jonah in their home. However, as she continued to educate herself on low syndrome, determined to understand not just what to do to help Jonah thrive, but also the whys behind his treatment and care plan, an interesting transformation occurred in her. People began asking her, are you a nurse? It's like, you know this stuff so well, you must have been in the medical field for years. Well, she began to think, no, I'm not a nurse, but maybe I should be. God was using the whole experience of having a special needs child to show her a genuine gifting that she never had the faith or courage to even consider before that. She took a major leap of faith and returned to school to earn her BSN degree. She even conquered all those tough required science classes that her dad had taught for so many years. <laughs> Long story shorter, it turns out that her first job in nursing is in the same hospital on the exact same floor where Jonah was born. Full circle. Earlier this year, Amanda followed God's leading and took another bold move in advocating for Jonah's needs. Though Medicare covers the full cost of a full-time nurse for Jonah, finding a competent and dedicated one has always been a challenge, especially after he started school five years, at five years old. Jonah's physical condition was fairly stable, but he wasn't really progressing in school as they had hoped. Though the teachers and aides were great, they could only give so much personal attention to each child in a special needs classroom. The nurse's job, of course, was only to care for Jonah's physical condition. But even then, the nurse was often only minimally present and not truly invested in the big picture. Determined to find a better way, Amanda explored the idea of being Jonah's nurse herself, with Medicare paying her to do it. The excellent relationships she had built with his teachers, helped the process fly through to approval for a parent to be in the classroom on a daily basis. This is something teachers don't usually like because parents can be very distracting to the children, especially their own children in the classroom. So since February, Amanda has been paid to be Jonah's nurse three days a week while continuing to work two nights a week in the hospital. And what a success this has been. With Amanda there to not only ensure his physical well-being, but also assist him in grasping the lessons the teacher was giving, his language development has taken off. He is learning the alphabet, 
numbers and letters and colors and developing social skills. Amanda is getting more rest and more quality time with Jonah while using her talents as a nurse to ensure he has the very best possible care. Could anyone but God have put these pieces in place so perfectly? Meanwhile, Jeremy was experiencing a bit of a career challenge of his own. He was quite frustrated working accounting type jobs, but not really feeling success or fulfillment through them at all. A real breakthrough came for him when Amanda asked him to basically handle nearly all of Jonah's care needs so that she could concentrate on plowing through her nursing program, passing the certification exam, and starting a new career. Well, Jeremy truly stepped up to the plate. He quickly became completely competent and comfortable with Jonah's daily routine, and the two of them became best buddies. And then, while between jobs and looking for work, he took a summer job to help make ends meet as an aide at a camp for special needs kids. Bam! It was like a dazzling, blazing light came on for him. He not only loved working with those kids, just as he did with his own son, but he had a true gifting for it. He had found his own calling, and all because God put Jonah in their lives. This summer, Jeremy completed his master's degree in special education, and in a few weeks, he will begin his first full-time special ed teaching job in the very school district that Jonah is in. Jonah will get to stay in the classroom with teachers he loves, and he and his daddy will have the same work-school schedules year-round, all while Amanda continues to be Jonah's nurse. Is that a God thing? <laughs> I think so. Isn't it beyond amazing how God has used the gift of, special, of a special needs child to help Amanda and Jerry find their true gifting and calling in life? They just saw the sale of their two-story house and purchase of a far more Jonah-friendly ranch home fall into place in such a way that they could just feel God smiling down on them, seeming to assure them that they are following the right path and bringing him pleasure. It is absolutely incredible how God just dropped those pieces into place with, of course, perfect timing. The perfect plan of the God of the wise is only beginning to unfold for Amanda and Jeremy. And Brian and I have the privilege of being witness to it all while supporting them in their journey. All of us have learned to trust him immeasurably more through this whole experience as he re reveals the wise one incredible move at a time. As Brian and I look ahead to the future, we know that God will no doubt bring more life experiences to take us through that will test our faith while yet strengthening our conviction that his ways are far above our ways, his thoughts far beyond our own. For example, our son and his wife right now are choosing to walk a path that does not align with our Christ alone outlook on life. Nate and Kim are wonderful, responsible adults who love each other and other people tremendously and do much good in the world, from a human perspective anyway. But we long for them to share our deep faith and trust in God's unshakable truth that is beyond this world. 
We trust that one day they will, but in the meantime, we are dedicated to nurturing a loving relationship with them, enjoying the fullness of life with them, and keeping them always in our prayers as we trust God to do his work in their lives in his time. In this, as with everything, we know God has a plan. And though it's not exactly what our human plan might be, we trust that it is a good and perfect plan. It often boggles my mind to realize just how incredible it is that God juggles so many pieces of so many lives in so many places and down through all time to accomplish his will, all while showing his perfect love to those who trust in him. Lately, it reminds me of a Rubik's Cube puzzle in God's hands, and not just a simple one we're all most familiar with. It's even beyond this many-sided, many-faceted version of the puzzle. I see each dot on the cube representing countless millions of people and situations across all time and space, all part of God's eternal plan. When one piece is moved, it affects all the rest of the pieces. So every piece has to be moved into exactly the right place, in exactly the right order to create the final perfect masterpiece. We will never understand how God fits all the Rubik's Cube pieces together for everyone, everywhere, always. I mean, he obviously can't say yes to everyone's prayers all the time, right? For example, as I interviewed for one job with a nonprofit organization, I realized there might be many other candidates praying the same prayer for God's provision for that job. But there was only one job, so there would be only one yes from God. It was possible that the job would even go to a non-Christian who wasn't even praying at all. And I didn't get that job. Yet my no was someone else's yes, and it was all for good. I, for one, will never buy a Rubik's Cube like this one and try to solve it just for fun. Or even for any serious purpose. <laughs> but I think I might buy one to keep in a prominent place always to remind me that God holds the pieces and makes them all fit. One final verse I want to share that is often spoken to us in times of uncertainty and questioning is from Isaiah 43:19. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Well, quite frankly, no. <laughs> we don't always perceive it. We can be pretty dense sometimes, but sometimes it's just a mystery. Because again, his ways are not our ways, neither are our thoughts his thoughts. But as we continue in the verse, we see the everlasting hope-giving promise we can always count on. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What an encouragement for each of us. Yes, there will always be tough stuff in life this side of heaven, but he always provides a way through it. I have learned and am continually learning that these unanswered questions only call me to trust God ever more fully in the God of the wise. Thank you. <laughs>